the very first lie, the very first lie ever perpetrated on the planet by the devil is this lie found in Genesis chapter 3. And I want you to hear this strongly because I believe this lie continues today. I believe this is a lie that is maintained in churches throughout our city, really throughout our nation. And I believe with all of my heart it is a lie from hell. Now the serpent was more subtle than the beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, yea, God said you'll eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said, no, we're only supposed to eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but we're not supposed to eat of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, you'll die. Now what did God say? That there would be a spiritual and a literal death. If sin was committed, somebody say amen. What is the eating of the tree? Disobedience. What does that constitute? Sin. If you commit this sin, Eve or Adam, then you're going to die. Now, we know from history, we know that you and I, I just lost my mother, people die because of this moment. A sin was committed, and that sin brought death to our earth through that man or that woman. And so she knew what was said. See, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's a sin. Look at somebody and say, it's a sin. And it ain't a sin to say the word sin. And the serpent said to the woman, verse 4, you ain't going to die. Sin's not going to kill you. You're not going to be separated from God. You can sin all you want to. Now, this man and woman walked in the garden with God. They were his friend, his companion. They had relationship. God was explaining to them that sin would separate his relationship from them. If anybody should be able to maintain a relationship, it should have been Adam and Eve. But he expressed to them in the very first lie, don't worry about it. You're not going to die. This related to relationship. You and I, when we accept Jesus Christ, are now in relationship with God. He comes in, he dwells in us, and we now have reestablished the relationship between us and God as if we stood in the same position as Adam and Eve. And the same thing that was true for them is the same thing that's true for us. If you sin, you'll separate yourself. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. I know you want to run out of here, but don't leave yet because it's a lie. Just like the devil said to them, don't worry about it. Go ahead and commit sin. Live any way you want to. You go right ahead. See, you accepted Jesus when you were five. Don't you worry about it. You ain't going to die. I want you to look at a couple scriptures with me. 1 John 3, verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So he that does righteous is righteous. He that commits sin is righteous. Who? 
of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, say this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest. To do what? Not just what the devil did, but the works of the devil in you. Your working of the devil. He that commits righteousness is? He that sins is of the? All right. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remains in him, and he can't sin because he's born of God. Now, does that mean you can't sin? Is that what that means? That you can't sin? All right, let's look at another translation of it. How about that? Let's go, and I'll look at the Amplified Bible. Here's what it says in the Amplified. Boys, lads, let nobody deceive you and lead you astray. He who practices righteousness, who is upright, conforming to the divine will and purpose through the actions and living consistently in constant life in righteousness, even as he is righteousness. But he who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil, takes on his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned and violated the divine law from the beginning. For the, this reason, the Son of God was made manifest or visible, was to undo and destroy and loosen and dissolve the works of the devil that he has done. No one born or begotten of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. For the nature of God abides in him and his principles. The divine sperm of God remains permanently in him. And he won't practice sinning because he's born of God. I remember when I was, there was about a month of my life. I have never lived, now listen, I didn't go to bars. I have never smoked dope in my life, not once. I have never shot up. I've, matter of fact, the, the worst thing I've had is an aspirin and a blood pressure pill. And I wouldn't take the blood pressure pill if I'd finally get rid of the cheesecake. <laughs> so, I've never drank an alcoholic beverage. Not ever. Never had one. Never tasted it, not interested. Unless somebody slipped something to me and maybe that happened, I don't know. But I never willfully did it. I, uh, I did, however, decide to get in the bar scene for about a month. About a month. But I got in there and started going to these bars, and I'm going to tell you right now. I have never in my life been more uncomfortable than I was for that month of my life. I tried to get in the bar scene, but I got in them bars, and every time I'd go in a bar, I'm telling you the conviction of God would rise up on the inside of me, and I felt so filthy and so dirty. Matter of fact, nowadays, if I get around it, I feel dirty. Filthy, just like just, ugh. Like I got to go home and take a bath, and especially a spiritual bath. And I'll tell you, after about a month of that, I realized ain't nothing out here for me. I ain't, I ain't never getting in that junk. No, I, I, I have sinned. I have, as everybody has. But just as this scripture says, I did not knowingly and willfully live in a lifestyle of habitual commission of sin. And I'm telling you, it's a lie from hell that you can accept Jesus at five, live like hell, and go to heaven. 
as born-again Christians, you're to live like heaven. See how positive that is? That's so positive. I thought about this. I thought, because here's what it says. I, I could read a couple more scriptures to you, and it would say the same thing over and over again. See, you need to check up your salvation. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying this. You need to check up on where you are with God. If you can live in sin, well, you don't hear many of these messages anymore. Turn on your TV, see if anybody will preach this, but I'm going to. Because one day, I'll tell you, you may not want to hear it again. It may never come across. You may never come back to this church again. But when I get to heaven, God's going to say, hey, well done. Well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. See, this is positive. It's so positive. Here's what I see. It's positive because if you live in a lifestyle full of sin, and you continue to live and stealing from everywhere and lying and cheating, living in bars, Living in somebody's house you're not married to. Full of sin. Your mouth is so full of sin. We wouldn't, if they, if they had to figure out whether you're a Christian or not, they wouldn't know it by your mouth. And preaching the truth to you will set you free. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You ought to have a testimony from the time you give your heart to Jesus that you can say, from the time I got saved and got serious with God, I ain't been back to a bar. My refrigerator ain't got a bunch of beer in it. I don't have cigarettes living in my, well, you know, I don't go there, Pastor. Don't go there. It's a horrible testimony. At the very least, it's a horrible testimony. Listen, I remember some time ago a minister was asked, will smoking send you to hell? He said, no, but if you make it to heaven, you're going to smell like hell. And as far as I know, they ain't got no spittoons for you chewing the back of people either. I don't know where you're going to spit when you get up there. Something going to change. Your lifestyle ought to change. I thought about it. Okay, 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 okay. You're at Romans chapter 8. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. I love this. This is so great. Romans chapter 8. Don't you just love the Bible? Amen. Well, we just, we, just, we just speak the positive gospel, and we just want to make sure that people can be positive. We don't ever really talk about sin and going to hell and things like that. So people, you know, we want people to come to church and just be positive. We're just positive about the gospel. I'll know it's the truth anyhow. I turn that stuff on, it almost makes you want to throw up. I mean, we've gotten so, we've gotten so now you can't tell the difference between the church and a bar. Shoot, they're even having wine tastings. I read on the internet a prominent pastor, prominent, huge church, 6,000, was just busted for a situation, he ended up getting a divorce from his wife. Anyway, she hit him up because she had $15,000 in shoes on the church's American Express. $10,000 in wine. 6,000 people still going to the church. 
What? 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 I don't even buy wine. You're using my money to go buy the wine? You better be putting it in the Philippines. Are you kidding me? What have we come to that the pastor has a $10,000 wine bill? Two or three women on the side still going to the church. What? It's because we've been so loose with the church anymore, nobody knows the difference between living right and living wrong. There'll be one church. There'll be one church. There'll be one church where the man of God loves his wife and is going to stay with her till he dies. This one. I don't plan on ever leaving. I, I told my wife the other day, it doesn't matter if this church means nothing compared to you. You're number one. And if there's something comes between me and you and it's this church, the church is done and I'm staying with my wife because that's my first ministry. We need to have marriages that survive in church. We need to have marriages. Listen, if this is your second time around, make it work. Get into counseling. Make it work. Get in there and make it stay. Force the habit. Go for it. Make it all the way with Jesus. Keep it together. Oh, well. Brother Ron, just pat me on the back. I'm preaching good. Pat me on the back. You know what you find out in the second one? You got the first one over again. Never mind, ain't nobody going there. <laughs> Two people who were totally different, married each other. You get the same stuff in the second marriage that you had in the first one. Most people just figure out, well, I may as well live with this one. <laughs> ain't nobody shouting, but it's true now. That's good. That's good. Tell the truth, nobody wants to tell. Oh, no, she's so much specialer than the first one. <laughs> she means so much more to me than that very first relationship. She never complains about the trash or putting down the garage door or clean the pool or will you please take care of the kids tonight? She never said that. <laughs> same stuff. And you know what else you find out? You're the same guy. Woo! I've determined to work it out. I'm going to make it happen. I'm sticking this thing out. Hell or high water, divorce doesn't belong in my vocabulary. I ain't never using it, and she ain't either. And I'm telling you, I ain't going to bed with the door locked and me in a different room. We're going to bed in the same bed every night. Never mind. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. See, you're not coming to bed with me, though. I'm shutting you out. I'm busting the door down. We're coming in. The Bible says don't go to bed in wrath. It don't say that. I'm not wrathful. I'm just coming in. I don't have to bust it down. I don't know how to pick it. My kids are never going to know, as long as they live in my house, what a dirty movie is, what a nasty vocabulary is. They never going to hear their dad full of foul language and a foul mouth and mean and horrible to his wife. They're going to see a man that loves his wife, who loves on her and dotes on her and takes care of her, and they're going to respect my wife. Amen. Maybe they mama, but it's my wife. There is therefore now no condemnation. Say no condemnation. Good news. We don't have to be condemned. God didn't call us to be condemned. You shouldn't feel condemned when you have to make changes. 
There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Not in the world. You know, there's one thing of Christ being in you. And there's another thing about you being in Christ. Christians should be in Christ. There's no condemnation in that. Who walk not after the flesh, but they walk after the Spirit. Real Christians desire the things of the Spirit. Now, you know, you may think about this. You think, you know, what about this whole Spirit walk and flesh walk and all that stuff? You see, the, there's a carnal mind or a carnal mentality that we may have in our lives. Carnality means earthly-minded or earthly uh, thought processes or earthly thinking. In other words, you're thinking uh, on earthly levels. That's carnal-minded. And so he goes on here and says, The law of the Spirit of Christ had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law couldn't do in that it was weak in the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, for sin condemned it in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, the, the law has been fulfilled in those who walk after the Spirit. When you walk in the flesh, you fulfill the law of the flesh. We're not to do that. We're to fulfill the law of the Spirit. Look at somebody and say, law of the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do the things that are the, of the flesh. You want to know if somebody's of the flesh? It don't take me five minutes to sit down and start talking to somebody. I just start talking. All of a sudden you hear where they've been, where they're going. Facebook's great. Facebook is great. Because I watch y'all and y'all can't keep your mouth shut. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I found out that you guys are in bars. You're in places you shouldn't be, doing stuff you shouldn't do. Drink another one for me. What? Shacking up with somebody. Oh, I so love, I love him. Oh, I'm preaching really good, man. See what it is, I got to get this out once because after this they block me. <laughs> it ain't going to change. I ain't changing. You ain't going to change. I just shut him out. Quick. Now he don't know where I'm going. I'll tell you the Holy Ghost know where you're going. See, some people, they actually come here. I preach a message like this on a day like this, and everybody's like, well, I ain't going back there. As if me not being in front of them preaching this message is going to make it void. Yeah. You know, I can run away from it. I'll run away. I just won't go listen to it. Then if I don't go listen to it, it don't make it real. But you done heard it. You done heard it. I done said it. It done gone in your ear. It done gone in your heads, in your heart. You have no excuse. You're not going to be able to go, I didn't hear it. You did hear it. I told you. You heard it. It doesn't void the gospel. It does, let, me, let me tell you, you are responsible. Let me tell you what's even better. You're responsible to read that book. Every person in this room is not just supposed to come to church, sit in a pew, listen to some guy preach for 35 minutes on wrestling, go home, and never change. You're supposed to go home. This is a one-hour deal. I preach to you. I get 35, 45 minutes on a Sunday, and that's about all of y'all that y'all ever get. But you're supposed to go home, read the book for yourself, and find out what God said. How am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to talk? I'm preaching good. For to be carnally minded 
is death. Not, you won't die. You won't die. That's a lie from hell. And people are going to split hell wide open thinking they were saved at five years old. Living in bars, living with people they're not married to, full of foul language, drinking, carrying on, living like the world. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded. Good news. You ready for the good news? But to be spiritually minded. I can be spiritually minded. I can have life and peace. I can be full of the goodness of God. Really? You mean I could eat the tree of life? You see, the same dilemma that was there. I can eat the knowledge of good and evil. Or I can eat the tree of life. I can choose life. I get to choose life and peace and joy. I get to choose to be spiritually minded and full of the Spirit. I don't regret one decision I've made to serve God with all my heart. I have plenty in my life. I'm telling you, some of you have been, God blessed me with a beautiful house. God's blessed me with beautiful kids. God's blessed me with a beautiful wife. God's blessed us with a wonderful ministry. I can't think of one thing wrong in my life. Except my weight. And I'm going to fix that next week. (laughs) Got to get it. I got to get it. I got to get it. That's my carnal mindedness. (laughs) To be carnally minded is death. Listen, it didn't hurt me. It it hadn't taken away from me. It has only blessed my life to, to serve God. For it is the goodness... Of God which leads men to repentance. Oh, for the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. Serve the Lord. Let's keep going, let's keep going, let's keep going. Because the carnal mind is at enmity with God. It's just like when I used to go, that one month that I was in the pool halls and the bars, I could stand in the middle of a hundred people drinking, dancing, carrying on, and my spirit would be so grieved, I'd almost want to throw up. Literally, just, I mean, just how could, and almost like, you know, I got to get out of here, and Lord, I, I almost felt like witnessing every time I went in the room. Matter of fact, sometimes I just did. I stood up and started witnessing, and people were like, get out, quit, shut up. You've met my friend Roger. He comes every once in a while from Chicago. I'm going to use him as an example. He's a pastor's son like myself. But he decided not to really serve the Lord. He's kind of out in the world. We keep working on him all the time. But I remember one time I had gone with him to a party. There were about 150 people there. Everybody's smoking dope and all this stuff. I'm uncomfortable. It's horrible. And I'm trying to witness to people in this environment. (laughs) Missionary dating sort of thing. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you know, if you go to pick up a guy in a bar, you're going to find one in a bar. What do you really think you're going to get, lady? Amen. So anyway, we're both talking about the Lord. He hears me talking about the Lord. He gets drunk. And he stands up on a table. I'm telling you, he stood up on this table. And Moses parted the Red Sea. Started preaching. Because what's in you is an enmity with the world. Not realizing it, his spirit man who knew God was at enmity with what he was doing. 
I'm telling you, folks, if you can stand in the way of sinners and in the seat of the scornful and find your delight there, there's something wrong with your salvation. If you have no problem with living like the world and sitting in the seats of the devil and smoking, drinking, doping, living with people, then you need a checkup, baby. There's something wrong. Something ain't right. You need to get it right. You ever see that guy on TV? He's right. You know the guy I'm talking about? Oh, never mind. You're right. You need to get it right. You need to get it right. I don't feel bad about this. I'm not sorry I said it. I realize that the church won't be fuller next week. I know some of y'all ain't going to come back. I know it. But I'm not here for you alone. I'm here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm here to answer to the Almighty. And he means more to me than numbers in a seat. I'm not worried about the money. I'm not worried about the crowds. It doesn't matter where the thousands ever come. I told you last week, the Lord told me this is graduate school. As you go higher in God and you do more with God, less and less people want to go with you. This is the truth, whether you like it or not. That's the truth anyhow. When you're shallow and you don't have much, people follow you anywhere you want to go because you make no demands. There's no challenge. There's nothing that goes on. Hey, we got no problem. Sure, I'll be there. It ain't costing me nothing. You ever, you ever invite everybody to go eat with you? How many people show up when it's costing you and not them? You know, you go to a party and how many people show up when you're paying the bill? Everybody. You know I'm right. Everybody. But when they say, and you have to pay your own way, well, I got to check my wallet. How about I bring the coupon? <laughs> Never mind. So they that are in the flesh. Let me get you to where we're going. So they that are in the flesh. What does it say? I didn't say it. I didn't say it. God said it. How can we leave that out? You're not pleasing God living in the flesh. I could go on with this, but I, I wrote down a few things. I know i got to close soon, so let me, let me, let me read. I, I just thought about some things this morning, and I think it's funny, so I'm going to read it. I think you, maybe you'll think it's funny. I don't know if you will or not. Well, let's hope you do. Carnally minded. Now, to become more spiritual means you have to become less carnal. I like that. I think that's a good statement. If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to see yourself growing, you see, let me tell you what the, the, the bigger problem is. See, when you get saved, when you really accept Christ, the internal nature of you changes. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're sons of God. We accept him. We accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life. So we, we, we have a new, a new spirit living in us, the Holy Spirit. He lives in us, and he begins to help us, and he becomes the law that once was the law. That law lives in you. And so the things that you want to do, you don't do because the, that, that uh, discernment comes. There's a greater awareness of sin in your life. I mean, it's not le- the law is less than what's in you. The law was written pages they couldn't live. But see, God put his law in your heart so that you could live it. You, you see what I'm trying to say? So you could live it, not so you could abuse it. And, and so, so at, at be, that being the case, some people have the grace mentality that, that grace covers it all. 
But see, grace is only the provision that faith brings into our life. In other words, grace provided it, but I have to believe it. I have to confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, right? I wasn't born saved. I was born a sinner. I have to accept, accept Jesus, confess him as Lord of my life. Then I become saved, but grace had already provided. Salvation was provided on the cross. Grace had already provided it. The provision was there. Faith received it. Some people think grace is just the overall cover. It's not. Grace is the provision for your ability to receive. So you can receive the ability to overcome the world. And this gave you the power, for as many as believed him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God and to live for him and walk for him. So you don't have to become more spiritual to become spiritual. You have to become less carnal to become spiritual. Less carnal. And so what happens when you're saved is that your spirit man comes alive and what, where you receive joy, excitement, and all the things that you need, they're internal instead of external. When you don't have Jesus, you need a beer, a woman, a bar, a car, a new dress, a pair of shoes to make you fulfill. See, you have to have external things because you only know the flesh. But you become spirit conscious when Jesus comes in you. And so now, instead of needing a bar, a bill, a peer, what did I say, a bill, a peer? A pill, a beer. That was, I, went to the, I went to the drive-thru the other day and said, I want no onions and mustard. <laughs> so anyway, what happens is you're supposed to, when you get saved, you're supposed to now get your joy from the inside. You're supposed to get your peace from the inside, peace that passes understanding. I don't need a pill. I need my joy from the inside. I don't need a pill. Now, you may, I'm, I'm not suggesting you don't have pills and doctors and things like that. I'm trying to go a different route. I'm trying to explain to you that what you need is internal. All the fulfillment of life comes internal. But see, some of you have never put the flesh down. And so you still need the bar. You still need that. And, and, and so you've become so fleshly minded that your only excitement, you don't know what to do on a Friday night. What I, I need to go hang out with my buddies at the bar. Instead of finding other Christians to, to hang out with or come and, and, and make, make church an entity of your life. And find your peace and joy and excitement and fulfillment from the things of God. You, you, you have to change. You have to become less carnal to become more spiritual. I know that the teaching, see, the teaching is today if we get enough people in church and we play enough good music and we get them happy enough on Sunday, every Sunday, that they're, <coughs> they're going to just spontaneously generate into spiritual people. That's not true. You have to crucify the flesh. You have to renew the mind. A good service isn't going to change you. A Holy Ghost service will touch you. It will, it will encourage you. It will edify you. It will motivate you. It will inspire you, but it won't change you. The Holy Ghost on the inside of you and the Word of God, it is by the washing of the water of the Word. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, I just wrote down a few things. All right. Carnally, being carnal is a, is a barrier to the spirit. Okay, here we go. You know that if you are, if you, uh, you know, if you, if you own a trailer with, a, with no windows, you're a redneck type thing? All right, here we go. All right. All right, here we go. If your discount at the grocery store is five fingers, you're a carnal. That was funny. I liked it. I thought it was funny. You understood that. It was just like, Nyum. stealing. You 
know how you walk out of Walmart and they forgot to charge you for something and you keep going and say, well, is there some snare mistake? I mean, they should have known me. They should have hired a better employee than that. Bad training. <laughs> Some of y'all sitting here, I know what you're thinking. Come on now. Come on. You walked out and they charged you for the wrong thing or sent something. I remember one time, I tell you, this is going to sound funny to y'all, but it was a serious thing for me. The devil tested me like I never, there was a Macintosh computer I had. I needed new computers for the church. It was really early on. We didn't have a lot of money. We had enough for one little computer. And so I had bought this computer and sent off to Apple to go get it. And days had gone by and never showed up at, my, at the church. So I called Apple up. I said, look, that computer hadn't showed up. Can you, tell, can you track it for me? The lady said, nope, it's missing. And then she said, I'm going to send you another one today. Get it in the mail. We're going to have it to you tomorrow. We're going to overnight it. She says these words to me. She says, and if the other one shows up, will you please send it back? <laughs> I tell you, as, as true as I can be, that thing showed up at the same time, in the same place at my house with that other computer. And it sat there. And it, it you know. Oh. I needed it. We needed it. Oh, did we need it? That would have been great for the, and after all, it's already out of inventory. <laughs> I kept it for a day in the box. I had to fast, pray, <laughs> seek the Lord. <laughs> I called him, got the RA, and sent that thing back. It was one of those defining moments of my life. It lives on in me. What defines a person is not what everybody sees. It's when you're alone with God. What are you then? What are you when you're alone with God? What do you watch at midnight when your wife's in bed? What, uh, what are you watching on the computer down in that basement in the upper room? <laughs> Come on. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Crucify your thought life. Anyway, I, I mean, so, so anyway, I mean, so, I mean, what are you going to do? You got to do right. Uh, if your TV needs soap in its mouth. If your language contains adjectives that are found in the movie Platoon. You know you're carnal. If your refrigerator contains more liquor than just for cooking. If three times a week refers to you going to the bar. If the Ten Commandments is only a guideline. If you can sing the top ten. If you can quote Eminem lyrics. If more cleavage is uncovered than covered. I don't know why he's looking at me. And what's funny about it is that they don't want that scraggly tooth, nasty hair guy looking at them. But if Honcho goes by.
If your clothes don't fit, and it's not because you've gained weight. <laughs> if, the, if the FBI checked your computer and you're scared of what they'd find. If your favorite phrase is, I don't have to go to church to be saved. If the only prayers you know are nursery rhymes. This was the funniest thing. Last week, my, mom, my wife... She asked one of the little kids to pray. Now, you know, we teach right along, and family life makes a lot of difference. And so she said, now, will you pray over the offering? And this little child walked up to pray for the offering, grabbed the mic, and said, our Father, <laughs> which art in heaven. See, some people didn't laugh at that. But that tells a lot. What songs do your children know? What phrases have they learned? What, ha- what are these little ears hearing? To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Hallelujah. Would you stand up on your feet?